0: Hello. Today we are with Stuart Bertram, ITGP author of the Tower of Open Source Intelligence. Hi, Stuart, and welcome. Firstly, can you talk about how your experience has influenced the decision to write this book?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. So um, uh, my name's uh, Stuart Bertram. Uh, I'm 35 years old, two point three kids, or, or or something like that. Um, but I suppose the more relevant, uh, relevant points is uh, I'm a career intelligence professional, um, and I've worked uh, really you know, for a number of years within um, a lot of different types of intelligence. Um, initially within the, uh, the army, I was in military intelligence for about five years. Uh, I came out and for the last sort of six years or so, I've been um, working in the private sector uh, in the UK, the US, uh, and those types of areas as well. And um, really the, the, the book and my kind of involvement in open source intelligence in general um, came about when I left the military sort of circa 2009. And you know I went into sort of the private sector intelligence world and a lot, of the, a lot of the time we were trying to solve the same type of problems. But we didn't have those sort of covert secret sources of data to use. So what you really had was um, open sources. And predominantly, really, the internet. And what sort of developed over that sort of period of time was, you know, different methods and different structures and different ways of utilising uh, the internet above and beyond, you know, simply looking at the first page of Google uh, to try and answer the the informational requirements of um, my customers. I got I got into teaching um, teaching as well, so I run a lot of um, internet investigator courses for people looking at. Um, public and private sector people looking at crime and all kinds of things online, and really the book is sort of a summation of that um, uh, th- those few years, five six years of uh, uh, of those teaching and those events. And a lot of the book is is taken from not so much what I knew, but what um, you know students at the uh, that will come along to the seminars. You know, every every seminar I'd learn at least one or two things, and there are a lot of the most valuable things are rolled into the book based upon that.
0: Can you explain about open source intelligence?
1: Yeah, sure, so there's different, within the intelligence world, there's different sources of data that you can get intelligence information from to answer a customer requirement. And these these are really methods that you use to get to data. So, for example, you can have human intelligence or human, and this can be overt or covert. Um, So that's, you know, running around speaking to people and doing all that kind of things. You can have different types. For example, um, you know, signals intelligence, which is what the NSA and GCHQ do. Um, Obviously very secret, very sensitive, um, and completely illegal for anybody to do it who isn't a government agency. What open source is, is uh, it's another collection method, but it's looking at sources that are openly available to anybody, um, and who, you know, it's not illegal to go out there and use, and it's, it, it fits within um, the law to use. Um, and so that's really what open source source methodology is. I think, I think the big thing that I would say is, when I first started uh, in intelligence, sort of in, you know, 2003, 2004, open source intelligence was uh, sort of the back runner, you know, it was considered a uh, a thing that you'd add a bit of character to, to, to closed source intelligence. But I think that's really changed, and I think open source now sits on a par with those other sources of intelligence that you can see out there.
0: What can people do with open source intelligence? How can it help them in their day-to-day job?
1: Potentially nothing, um, I would say. Um, what, what, what the important part is, is, you know, what, what is the thing that you want to know about? What was the thing that you want to achieve? Um, and then applying the appropriate method on top of that, of which open source is one of those toolkits. So, you know, it's kind of analogous that, uh, you know, a hammer on its own is, is completely useless unless you want to nail uh, put a nail into a piece of wood and you have the skills to do it. Um, but what, you know, my drive is, is to create the kind of structure and the framework around open source to facilitate people who, you know, they they know information can be out there to help their mission um, and it it allows them to do so. And this this can range in a massive kind of way. People I've sort of met over the years have ranged from the sort of classic uses of people who are looking at online child pornography to, you know, uses you wouldn't necessarily think of. So, for example, stolen art as well. Um, Those are are both things that, um, sort of the poles of things that I've looked at online.
0: Can you briefly explain the surface web, deep web, and the dark web for us?
1: Yeah, sure, so the the internet it, it itself, is sort of, you know, a collection of um, things, so you, you've got, you know, at the base level, you've got what's known as an IP address, and that's basically somewhere where another IP address can send data. What sits on top of that is what we know as all sort of websites, among other things. Um, And then those websites are sort of divided down into sort of three areas, as you said, sort of surface web, deep web, and dark web. And it's easier to explain the surface web and the dark web first, so we'll look at those first. So the surface web is is commonly understood as basically the internet that you can get to via a search engine like Google, Yahoo, Yandex, and all these type of things, where you can just enter them, they'll have a list of where that site is, and then you can go to that site Um, The dark net or the dark web or the TOR network is sites that you can only get to uh, via the use of specialist software, so for example um, I've mentioned TOR which stands for the Onion Router or um, I2P or things like that and you can only get to those um, addresses uh, if you know where they are, so you've got a distinct link to them and you've got this specialist piece of software. you know, within the darknet it's not all criminal stuff by a long way, um, but there is a lot of kind of criminal activity within that kind of space. There's also a lot of people who just don't really want the internet to be part of, say, Google or Yahoo or things like that. Fitting within that is the deep web. So the deep web is, it, it, you can get to sort of the front door of it via Google or something like that, but you can't really see what's inside. And the deep web is things like Facebook. So, for example, if you if you Google my name and Facebook, you'll see that I have a presence on there, but Google can't get inside to have a look around. That's why it's called the deep web, because there's stuff going in within there. It's also been called Web 2.0 technology. Um, so, you know, social media, Skype, uh, all of those kind of things that are creating this kind of rival space to the surface web. Um, together, they all make up the internet. Um, and the important part is is, Google is not the entire internet, neither is Yahoo, neither is Facebook, neither is the Tor network. They're all together making this kind of raft of information.
0: You mentioned there the importance of the onion router and in your book, why? What is it?
1: <laughs> yeah, so so at first it's it seems it seems slightly mystical, but when you when you kind of kick the tires of this a little bit, it's pretty simple. So all it does is essentially it's designed to um, hide people's identity on the internet. So, if you go onto the internet without that, you're pretty identifiable, um, as in, you know, people know where you are, they know what settings you're running on your computer, you know, what fonts, what resolution you're run, even running on a screen, um, even the battery life on your device. That, the Tor network is designed to get rid of all of that via layers of encryption, and it runs through three layers of encryption. Uh, the clever part is, is, you can go out to any part of the internet you like uh, on Tor, and get data back from there, while masking yourself on there. That sounds like an extremely sinister um, piece of technology, but at this point, I use a caveat, it was actually um, elements of the US government uh, that made it. The Tor project is a spin-off from uh, a, a US government project to create this kind of anonymous um, web browser uh, for people out there. Um, but yeah, and it's a whole interesting subject in itself.
0: Who would benefit most from reading this book? Um I, I think
1: I mean, first of all, you know, the book was never intended as kind of an exhaustive um list of places to go, you know, sites to do, and like an A B C of how, how to go about this. What this was meant for was um for people who are looking to develop an open source capability who Kind of knew a little bit about it, but who wanted to support a formal framework around what they were doing and they were concerned about you know their own security issues, the legal legal issues around what they're doing. their the kind of you know philosophical approach to how they're going about doing things. Um, so, so in many ways it's meant to be sort of you know heart and soul of what I think open source is. And also what I intended the book was for, for a sort start start for debate really. You know you don't have to d- agree with me at all I actually prefer it if you disagree with me but I think to advance this kind of you know discipline professionalization of this we need a, a just at least a baseline concept of what it looks like across the board and even if you disagree with that that's great because then we can evolve the concept from there
0: what do you want readers to take away from reading your book
1: that I think the big thing is that you know structure is a container of creativity um, somebody, somebody once told me, and um, at the time, it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to hear, but it probably was what I needed to hear. Um, and within that, that's, that's exactly what i tried to do. Um, I've tried to provide a structure that looks at, you know, legal, ethical, procedural, um, you know, approaches to this kind of discipline. And I think the big part is, 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 is that open source is more than just looking at the first page of Google. There's a lot of different ways that you can do it. There's a lot of different ways that you can take it forward. I think that the, the probably the equally biggest thing is is the idea of sort of empowerment, um, and that's that's hence why the front cover of the book uh, looks like an advert for an Arab Spring or a revolution or something like that. Um, it's meant this is meant for everybody. You know, whether you're a first-time researcher or a 20-year CIA veteran, it's meant for everybody to kind of contribute to, and it's meant for everybody to be able to. You know, use the techniques, explore them, change them, and modify them, um, uh, and do it. Uh, you know, do, do what works for them, um, but you know, advance that kind of discipline, really.
0: Thanks, Stuart. If you'd like to know more about open source intelligence, you can buy Stuart's book in the link below.